welcome. Today we want to honor all of the women in our lives, whether you're a mom or not. We want to be a blessing to you this morning. And we have some amazing, amazing women in our church. So many of you are such a great encouragement to me. Uh, and you're an inspiration in so many ways. The telephone companies tell us that Mother's Day is by far the busiest day of the year. Uh, it's a day for greetings, a day of expressions of love, and it's a special day. And for you moms out there, one mother said, this will be on the screens, the joy of motherhood is what a woman experiences when all the children are finally in bed. <laughs> Another mom said, a mother talking to an old college friend, uh, remember before I was married, I had three cheer theories about raising children. Well, now I have three children and no theories. <laughs> Moms are an amazing gift to humanity. The conqueror, Napoleon Bonaparte, was right when he said, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And we're naturally protective over our moms. When I was in junior high, there was this craze uh, about yo mama jokes. And, uh, and it was nuts. Like, uh, hey, Mike. Um, and uh, I... Uh, it didn't even make sense. Like you would say, hey man, like your shoes are untied. And the guy's like, yo mama, my mom's shoes are untied? Like you want to go to the dance with me? Yo mama, that doesn't make any sense. It eventually evolved to yo mama jokes. Like yo mama's so fat, uh, when she went to the movies, she sat next to everyone. Or yo mama's so dumb, she put paper on the television and called it pay-per-view. Uh, these are... This was junior high for me, okay? This was junior high. There's something special about uh, the women in our lives, and I am lucky enough to have the greatest mom uh, in the world, also the greatest mother-in-law in the world, and not to be outdone, I'm married to the best mom in the world. So this morning, we want to look at some of the qualities of women and uh, moms in particular and how they reflect the heart of God. Now, I'm not an expert on God. I'm not sure that there is such a thing, but... Uh, I'm certainly not an expert on women. Uh, a man was walking along a California beach and he stumbled across an old lamp and he rubbed it and poof, a genie comes out. And the genie says, listen, you're the 18th person this week. I am sick and tired of granting three wishes, so you're only going to get one. What's your wish? And the man thought about it for a while and he thought to himself and he said, you know, I've always wanted to go vacation in Hawaii, always, but I am terrified of flying and I get seasick when I go on boats. So could you build a highway from California to Hawaii so that I can vacation with my family there? And the, the genie says, that's impossible. Think of the logistics of that feat. How can you put gas stations on the road? Um, how, could you, how would you support the, 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 the bridge with the ocean currents? You need to think of another wish. And the man thought about it for a second. And then he said, okay, well, I've been dating for years, and the women I always date think that I don't care or that I'm insensitive. And, uh, and so he says, okay, I wish that I could fully understand women. And the genie pauses for a second, and he says, you want that bridge with two lanes or four? <laughs> no expert in women or moms, but I'm married to a woman who's also a mom. And so this morning, we're going to look at some of the qualities that we see in them and we'll grow to love Jesus and others in a greater capacity because of it. The first capacity, the first quality that I see in moms is a connection between, um, is, is compassion. Mothers demonstrate compassion. Uh, when you were a kid and you got into trouble at school and you had to come clean, 
How many of you guys wanted to go to dad first? <laughs> How many of you guys wanted to go to mom? <laughs> okay. There is this inextricable link between compassion and moms. This past week, I accidentally slammed my four-year-old son's hand in the car door. Uh, it was an accident, okay, I think. And we pulled into the garage. I open up his door so he can get out, and he hops out of his booster seat, and uh, he clears the doorway. As he clears the doorway, I begin to shut the door, but then he gets an impulse. I just want to kind of caress the inside of the door. And I'm like, no, and it's too late. And it's right on his hand. And I, I pull it open, and I pick him up, and I'm like, I'm sorry, son. And then he looks at me, and he does that delayed cry. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where it's three to five seconds of no noise at all, but then an eruption. Ah, and then the first thing he says, right? What's the first word? It's not my name. <laughs> Mama. So Sarah grabs him, uh, starts comforting him. And he's like, why did daddy do that? <laughs> it was an accident. She comforts him. Uh, she comforts him with words like, mommy loves you most. Um, daddy's me. Uh, almost instinctively, when he wants to be comforted, he goes to his mom. And I'm a pretty sensitive guy, right? Like, I am like almost offended by this. And I'm like, no, 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 son, come back. Come back. To, uh, I, daddy's here too. You see, there's a connection between moms and compassion. And the Hebrew word for womb is this one. And the Hebrew word for compassion is racham. In, in Hebrew, they're the exact same spelling, but they only vary in pronunciation. Rechem, womb, rakam, compassion. The connection is unmistakable. And the picture is of birthing, something new being born. If I apply this in the human experience, it means that my compassionate acts always gives the opportunity for life. Do the things that you do give the potential for life? It means not holding people's past against them. It means offering a fresh start. And I want this for myself and I want this for others. Am I willing to give birth to compassion in my life? That's what we're called to do as Christ followers. Such compassion will dramatically change the way we relate to each other. We offer fresh starts for our coworkers. We offer fresh starts for our spouses. We show compassion to people who treat us wrongly. This kind of compassion often reveals itself in patience. Patience with uh, your husband or wife, patience with your friends who always seem to cause drama, patience with your kids, with which we all need in Jesus' name. So many times mothers display this patience. There's a mother pushing a shopping cart through Walmart and her daughter um, was just being just so unruly and loud. Maybe you've seen this mom before at Walmart. And as the daughter's continually screaming, the mom just says, now calm down, Helen. It's going to be okay, Helen. It's almost time to go home, Helen. One of the checkout clerks saw this and said, ma'am, I just have to commend you. You are so patient with your daughter, Helen. And she said, lady, I'm Helen. <laughs> Calm down, Helen. Almost home. Uh, I 
if I had to ask you who was greater, Thomas Edison or his mom, we'd say, ah, oh, well, probably Thomas Edison. When he was younger, a teacher sent him home with a note that said this, your child is dumb, we can't do anything for him. Mrs. Edison wrote back, you do not understand my boy, I will teach him myself. And she did, and the results are well known. As all women know, the quickest way for a mother to get the attention of her children is to sit on the couch and relax and act comfortable. And then they'll demand from you that you leave the couch and pay more attention to them. They show us compassion. Moms show us compassion. We need to show it to others. The second thing, mothers demonstrate forgiveness. Now, I'm a pastor, and many of you only know me as a pastor, but I was once a teenager and a child making very bad decisions. Uh, I grew up in central Illinois, and for a family vacation, my, my folks and I, we all drove to St. Louis, Missouri. Not too far, about two and a half, three hour drive from where we were living, and we got to stay in a hotel, and get this, the hotel had a pool. Whew, that's the coolest. Now, it's not that big of a deal here in California. A lot of people have pools. Not the case back in 1986 in central Illinois. And so we get to there and, and my mom says, as before we, we got our trunks on, we're going out to the pool. Mom says, check and make sure it's not too deep. And so I go, yeah, of course. And so we jump in and my brother immediately swims to the side. And I should have probably followed suit with him considering now he is a professional swim coach, but I didn't. I tried to touch the bottom and then I'm, mom, ah, mom, mom, mom. My mom jumps in with her clothes on, rescues me and brings me back to shore. I was so disappointed in myself, but embarrassed my mom's dripping wet. My dad wants to scold me for my disobedience, for my bad actions. Uh, my mom dries off as best she can, stays in her wet clothes, lets me play in the shallow end of the swimming pool. Forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you work at it, the easier it becomes. Jesus teaches us to forgive mightily as well. Uh, Matthew chapter six, he says this, it'll be on the screens. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. For it's not an easy thing. Uh, I once heard it said that we're never more like Jesus than when we forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, because that's what he's done for us. We don't have time to flesh out forgiveness a ton, but my question for you this morning is this. Who do you need to forgive? Because there's probably someone. Who do you need to forgive? And some of you are thinking, well, I don't have anyone that I need to forgive. Well, let's just let the Spirit of God maybe move and awaken something in your own heart that the Lord maybe perhaps wants you to deal with. Uh, here's a couple of ways we can discern if there's someone or, that we need to forgive or not. Number one, if you have a hard time saying someone's name, there may be some forgiving that needs to take place. Have you ever noticed this? that after a divorce, even years after, maybe decades later, you don't refer them by their name, you call them my ex. You can't even say their name. If their name comes up in conversation, perhaps, and you sense other people bracing themselves, you might need to do some forgiveness. Good chance you need to forgive them. 
maybe it was a relationship that went south, but you're hanging out at dinner with a bunch of friends. And then someone says, oh, I saw so-and-so the other day. And then as soon as they say that person's name, we all look at you and look at your response. <laughs> maybe there needs to be some forgiveness. Or if you hear about something good happening to this person and you aren't happy for them, you're almost bummed when good things happen in their lives, right? Maybe the Lord's stirring a sense of forgiveness for you. If their identity is no longer a person, but a rather a wrong that they did to you, you need to forgive. If you can't think of them without thinking of the thing they did, maybe we need to let go. You've shrunk them down to a series of events or an event itself rather than a person. They're not human to you. They are what they did to you. I'm not saying you let them back in your life the way they were before, but forgiveness is, is, is letting go of that rope, right? Corey Ten Boom says that forgiveness is like the sexton who goes up to ring the bell. And forgiveness is letting go of the rope. Now, there will be some reverberations, but they will become more faint and slower and less frequent when you let go of the rope. Forgiveness is that choice, that decision to let go of the rope. And the ringing that's in your ears and the ringing that's in your soul just might start to die down. If when things don't go well, you find a way to blame them is also another reason we might need to forgive, right? Something goes wrong in your life. And if it wasn't for them, that, then I, I, this wouldn't have happened. Lastly, if you wish they were dead, <laughs> if you wish they never, you met them, or you wish they moved to the other side of the planet. Those are also signs that you might need to do some forgiveness. So I'll ask again, who do you need to forgive? Who's that person that as that list got read off, you know they came to, to the forefront of your mind. Jesus calls us to act and go do likewise. Forgive, send them a text, write them a letter. Step outside of church now, give them a phone call. We'll be right here when you get back. Life's too short. One day, a little girl was sitting watching her mom do dishes in the kitchen sink. She suddenly noticed that her mom had several gray hairs. They weren't there not that long ago, but they were there now. And so she asked, mom, why do you have some hairs that are white? And her mother said, well, every time you do something wrong, I get another white hair. And then the little girl pondered that for a while. And she said, so how come all of grandma's hair is white? <laughs> Comes full circle, doesn't it? We want to honor grandmothers as well. They, they're special, aren't they? Grandmothers are special. Uh, there was a, a group of third graders that defined what a grandmother is. Check this out. It'll be on the screens. A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own. She likes other people's little girls and boys. Okay. Next, uh, grandmothers don't have to do anything except be there. They're old, so they shouldn't play too hard, and they should never run. <laughs> they can take their teeth and gums out, says another third grader. This one's good. When they read to us, they don't skip parts of the story or mind if it's the same story over again. Uh, parents, how many of you guys have done this? Your, your kid brings you a book and says, read it. And then it's like the longest book you ever did see, you know? And so when you turn the pages, here's the trick. Grab three or four. 
they'll never know. The story jumps, it goes a lot faster then. Grandparents don't do that. Lastly, everybody should try to have a grandmother, especially if you don't have television, because they're the only grown-ups who have time. I have developed such a greater appreciation for grandparents uh, over the last 10 years, seeing my own mom become a grandparent, uh, and then seeing the way uh, my mother and father-in-law and my parents interact with my kids. Uh, I love it. I love to see them interact. To see the lives well lived by our grandparents, and particularly our grandmothers, we see the sacrifice. They inspire us to live better. And lastly, mothers demonstrate sacrifice. Uh, mothers demonstrate in sacrifice in so many ways that we can't even grasp. Here's one way that I never appreciate about my wife. Uh, I'm home and I start to play with the kids. So I pull out all the toys, all of them. And Ivy's got these rings and she can put, you know, the rings on and then uh, she likes to take them off and just throw them all over. She's got these blocks that have to fit into the right shape. And so she, they're all over the place. Dex has four different lightsabers. And so we do lightsabers and then Ivy wants to get one. So she gets one and she holds up her lightsaber and she does this and we pew, 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 pew. We lightsabers. And then uh, I get a phone call and I just walk away. Lightsabers, blocks, rings, dolls, everything is just scattered throughout. And then uh, I get off the phone and I come back and Dex didn't clean it up. Uh, Ivy didn't. Sarah did. Mothers clean up messes again and again and again, right? Teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet. And the next day, uh, in a written test, she included this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is an M. I pick up things. What am I? When the test came back, 75% said mother, <laughs> not magnet. Moms live a life of sacrifices. Sometimes I think Sarah sacrifices her own sanity for the sake of our family and our kids. Can any moms relate? There are times when you feel like, I just might go crazy. You, you bear that because you love so hard, so strongly. One of the last things Jesus did on earth was to take care of his mother. Even in the dying moments of his life, he never stopped loving her, never stopped caring for her, never stopped honoring her. Hear the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 25. Standing near the cross were, were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took care and took her into his home. Uh, Jesus, in his last moments, tells this disciple, John, who he's so close with, and says, that's now your mom. You take care of her. Still looking after his mom. We come back to this often at Prodigal Church, but Jesus is our exemplar for sacrificial love. We want to be like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. We want to live like Jesus. We want to serve like Jesus. And we want to judge like the sinners who have a plank in their own eye rather than pointing out the speck in others' eyes. 
The role of mother is sacrificial love. I want to invite Stephen, the worship band, to come up and tell the true story of Solomon Rosenberg, his wife and their two sons. Every time I read this story, I'm struck anew by the power of love, by the power of sacrifice. Solomon Rosenberg and his family were arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration work camp. And it was a labor camp and it was a simple rules. The rules were, if you were able to work, if you were strong enough to work, you would live. And one day Rosenberg came back and he didn't see his mother and his youngest son, or his wife and his, and his youngest son. And finally he finds his oldest son, Joshua, huddled in a corner, crying, weeping, praying. And he said to Joshua, he said, son, tell me it's not true. Tell me it's not true. He says, it's true, Papa. Today, David was not strong enough to do his work, so they came for him. But where is your mother? He said, oh, Papa, when they came for David, he was afraid and he cried. And Mama said, there's nothing to be afraid of, David. And she took his hand and went with him. And, it, and I know this, every mom here would do the exact same. There is something about compassion and sacrificial love that mothers emulate, that inspire us to, to live differently, to love greater way. I, I never really read poetry on the stage, but I just want to close our time together with this. It'll be on the screen. It says this. It's called My Mother. Your love, I know, I've seen your tears. You've given to me my life. You've walked through hours and days and years of heartache, toil, and strife. To see that I could have the best that you could give to me, you gave up needs and often rest, you viewed eternity. To do his will, my highest call, and by your special care, I stood and walked and did not fall, you held me up in prayer. Though strands of gray may brush your hair and miles divide our way, I know that by your quiet prayer, you've helped me day by day. You've shown me how to give, to share, to put my own needs last. You've helped me see and be aware that life is so soon past. To spite your love, I would not dare, for there is not another who spreads her gentle love and care like you, my loving mother. If everybody in the church right now knew that the world was gonna end in five minutes, you wouldn't be running to your Facebook page writing, OMG, the world's gonna end, LOL. You wouldn't be going to your 401k to check your balance. You wouldn't be running to the office to finish some last minute OT or paperwork. You would be picking up your phone and calling your mom, but she'd probably beat you there. And you'd be saying three words, I love you. And telling how much they mean to you. My question is, let's not wait till the world ends. Let's tell them, let's live it. God, I pray that the, the love that you have shown us, that we show to others. God, some of us need to might call our, our families, tell them we love them. Some of us need to call in a strange family member and reconcile. But God, I pray that you would help us with compassion, with forgiveness, with sacrificial love, and giving away ourselves in love to others. Father, we love you. We thank you for your example. We thank you for the women in our church. We thank you for the women in our lives. We pray your great blessings upon them. We thank you, God, that they bear the divine image. God, that they are daughters of the King, that they reflect your heart.
So God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless the women. I pray, God, that as people get together over lunch, over dinner tonight, God, that you would be present in their homes, that you would bless them, God. I pray for every woman here, that you bless them, that you comfort them, that you give them peace, that you protect them, and help us to learn from them. We got a lot to learn. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close with this last song together?